In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And we are still in the season of Easter where we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it was a few weeks ago, but the celebration goes on because our Lord is risen and our world is different because Jesus is alive. We don't serve a God who is distant or who is, uh, who is only existent in idols made by human hands. No, we love and serve and worship today the resurrected Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in that joy that we worship together out of a desire to love our neighbors and to continue uh, to care for the most vulnerable and ease the burden on our healthcare community. We are still uh, meeting over and worshiping over podcast. However, uh, it was my great pleasure on Easter Sunday to announce that we were working towards uh, regathering in June. And now I have a date for you. June the 6th, we hope to regather uh, and are planning on regathering at our church building at 819 John Adams Street in Oregon City, Oregon. If you want to find out more or if you have questions about it and you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. on April the 25th, 2021, at, uh, again, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, we will be devoting some of our time in our Zoom coffee hour to answering questions that people have had about our regathering. Um, there is a form. Uh, it is on our Facebook page, and it is also in the link. Uh, it's also linked in the notes to this podcast, uh, where you can submit a question ahead of time if you're, uh, if you're able to, if you're listening to this early enough. Because if we have the questions ahead of time, we can provide better answers to the questions. But for the time being, we continue to worship via podcast in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord anywhere we are and anywhere we go, because Jesus is Lord over the whole earth. He has defeated death. He has defeated sin. And Jesus is Lord. And that's how we gather for worship this morning. We gather in the power of the Holy Spirit to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so as we sing, as we pray, as scripture is read and proclaimed, it's my prayer and our, our hope and prayer that you would sense the presence of Jesus in a powerful way, that you would know that God is with you and that God loves you and that you are united with a body of Christ that spans cities, that spans every state in the United States, and that spans every country in the world, that we are part of a body of Christ that proclaims that Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, is Lord. And that is how we worship today. He bled and died, but now forever reigns. He holds the world, his arms are open wide, that we 
we live through him now sanctified rejoice behold the church the ones who've turned to him the man the child who've turned away from sin we sing to him for he has called us home and we that you alone are Lord, rejoice. Rejoice, our Savior is alive. Rejoice, for death has been denied. Rejoice, His majesty is here. Let our praises fill the air as we
is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. He lets me rest in garden and green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. In that day, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Townspeople and farmers and shepherds alike will live together in peace and happiness. For I have given rest to the weary and joy to the sorrowing. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us come before you in prayer. Father God, we come before you to praise your mighty name. We lift our hearts, minds, and voices in praise to you. The joy that comes into our hearts comes from you, and we give you all the praise and glory. We thank you for the love you show to us, even when we don't deserve it. As we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. This is only possible because of the sacrifice your precious son so willingly did for us by the shedding of his blood on the cross as he became the sacrifice in our place. Your word says that without the shedding of blood, there would be no remissions of sins. How grateful we are that Jesus was willing to obey your will so we could be saved for all eternity. If we acknowledge his sacrifice for our sins, thank you, Father God, for your willingness to show us your love and mercy. May we never take it for granted. May we praise your holy name with our words and carry a song in our hearts for praise to you. Father, we thank you for the prayers you have answered. We thank you for what you have done for us in our lives. Help us to understand that the answer is not what we wanted. Your will for our life is perfect, and you have given us what we needed at this time. Lord, we do lift up those who are struggling with sickness in their life. They are tired and discouraged and may be wondering, why me, Lord? 
I ask for your blessing to be upon them and bring them comfort in knowing that you are with them no matter what the circumstances may be. Be with those who have other prayer needs. You know the details. Help them to put their trust and faith in you and realize that when they reach out in prayer, they are forming a partnership with you. You are, a, you are a partner that will never let them down. Many of us have friends, relatives, co-workers, and acquaintances that have prayer needs. We lay these prayer requests at your throne of grace, and you will determine what is best for the outcome. You are a loving God, and your desire is to meet our every need according to your will. Lord, I lift our congregation up to you in prayer. Be with each one of us as we anticipate regathering. May our hearts be overflowing in our praise and worship of you. May our hearts be overflowing in joy. Be with our young church as they continue to, to meet virtually. Work in their lives, Father God. Give them the desire to let the Holy Spirit be their guide. Bless the leaders of young church with the power of the Holy Spirit. If there are any prayer requests, I ask that you answer them according to the will you have for their lives. Be with Pastor John today as he brings us a message from your word on doubt. May the Holy Spirit be upon him. Open our hearts and our ears to receive the message you have for us. May our podcast be a blessing to all who hear it. This week, may we examine our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to point out areas in our life where we have doubted you. May we place those doubts in your hands, and may we trust in you to remove them from our lives. In your mighty and holy name, amen.
Hi, this is Richard Secor, and I will be reading this week's scripture, John 20, 24 through 31. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hand, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And this is in my NIV Bible. Thank you. Earlier this week on my uh, personal Facebook profile and on a ministry group that I'm a part of and on the group chat, uh, group text chat thread that Young Church, our church youth group has, um, I put out a request, share with me your doubts. And I set up a, uh, a form on Google Forms so that people could submit their doubts anonymously to me uh, without having their name attached to it, thinking that people might be willing to be uh, a little bit more uh, forthcoming if they knew that their um, that their their doubts were not going to be associated to their name. So here are some of the the responses that I got. I have a fear of failing. I think a lot of us do. Sometimes I doubt that God has any real plan for my life. My small doubt is how everything is turning out. It's getting more hectic, angry, and above all, scary. God says he has a plan, but the plan seems flawed in a way with how evil the world is turning. Another one. Do people encounter Christ when they meet or interact with me? And there was one doubt that was, uh, it's a little bit longer worded, but basically has to do with why followers of Jesus now can't do the healings uh, and miracles that Jesus said we would do. But there was another couple of comments. One comment was somebody who uh, wrote a a small paragraph, which was fine. I I didn't put a, a limit on how much you could write. But in this paragraph, they expressed a few things that they had doubts about, but then kind of backed off it a little bit and and tried to justify that they didn't really have doubts. And there was one other person that kind of outright said, I don't have any doubts because I know Jesus. Well, enter Thomas. Thomas walked with Jesus. Thomas is sometimes known as Doubting Thomas. Thomas was one of the 12 disciples. And when 
sometimes in the church, at least the church in the United States, um, sometimes we have trouble or fear of or aversion to admitting doubts, we need to look at Thomas. Doubting Thomas is one way to describe him. Dower Thomas might be another because Thomas is admittedly a little bit of a spoil sport in the scriptures. Uh, in John chapter 11, when they are going, when the disciples are going to Bethany uh, to be with Mary and Martha and so that Jesus can, uh, can heal Lazarus and we later find out that he will bring him back from the dead, um, there were people who were looking to kill Jesus and Thomas says, well, let's all go die with him. And that's not the, exactly the sunniest outlook uh, that somebody can have on life. In chapter 14, Jesus is telling the disciples what's going to happen. And, and he's, Jesus says that the disciples know where he's going. And Thomas says, we do not know where you're going. So how are we going to go with you? Um, and then here, the disciples say, we have seen the Lord, which if you might remember, that was the first Christian gospel message. We have seen the Lord is the first time the gospel was proclaimed. The good news that Jesus is alive was proclaimed, and it was proclaimed by Mary Magdalene to the disciples. And so they repeat this message that, that Mary has said, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas says, show me. I'm, he says, I am not going to believe until I see and, and can touch his hands and can put my hand in his side and, and, and until it's real to me. And I think, I think we have a lot of aversion to doubt because it challenges the things that we've set up in our mind, the beliefs that we've set up, the kind of structure of belief that we have that makes us feel comfortable that makes us feel stable. Um, questions always threaten these power structures. Uh, they threaten the power structures of our, our faith. They question, they, questions threaten power structures in, in the world. That's why fascist governments and regimes are often so quick to try to deny the influence of journalists or cast doubts on their work is because journalists are the people who ask questions of governmental power. And sometimes we're afraid to ask questions in our lives because I think we're afraid of, of upsetting the apple cart. I think we're afraid of, of undoing all of these beliefs that we've worked so hard to set up in our lives. But not Thomas. Thomas has walked with Jesus. He knows Jesus. He was not a peripheral uh, disciple. There were many people who followed Jesus uh, that aren't named in other gospels. There are as many as 72 people that Jesus sends out in groups of two in towns on ahead of him. And we don't know the names of all 72 of these people that Jesus sent out, but he wouldn't have sent them out if they weren't disciples. But Thomas is one of the 12 He's considered part of the, kind of the, the core group of disciples. And he doesn't have a problem saying, you know, you can say this, but I'm not going to believe it until I can see Jesus and until I can touch 
Jesus. See, Thomas wants to see to believe. And Thomas is working through his doubts with questions. And what we're going to see as we go along through this passage, what we're going to see this morning is that when we have doubts, it's not a bad thing. When we have questions, it doesn't have to be seen as a threatening thing for one very important reason, is that God raised Jesus from the dead. If there's no resurrection, then our questions would be a lot more potent. If there is no resurrection, then our questions would be a lot more damaging because we would be asking threatening questions of a belief system that was based on somebody who lived and died. But Jesus was raised to life by God. And because of that, we don't need to be afraid to engage with the doubts that we have or the questions that come up in our faith. And Thomas isn't afraid. Thomas openly expresses these questions. And doubts are, are questions that we're, we're seeking answers for. Doubts are things that we, we want to know the answer to. They're those things that keep you up at night wondering. They're those things that, um, that sometimes are disconcerting. There was a song by uh, a Christian band from my teenage years called the OC Supertones. Um, and they had a song called Wilderness. And the chorus, I can, it's, it's memorized. It's up here in my mind. Have you ever held in doubt what this life is all about? Have you questioned all the things that are important to us? And these are questions that kind of keep us up at night. These are doubts. But doubts don't have to be seen as fatal. They're just questions. And when we ask questions of people who don't have the answers, then the people who don't have answers get nervous. Uh, I know lots of people who are parents, and maybe if you're listening to this, uh, you are a parent and you have had a child who has asked loads and loads of questions uh, questions that you don't have all the answers to. Uh, and it may, may make you feel a little shaky as a parent. Or, or maybe you have, have had a moment of trial or a moment of difficulty and you've, you've asked your doctor or you've asked uh, somebody who's supposed to be very knowledgeable a question and they didn't have the answer that you, you thought they would. And it shook you a little bit. That's okay. We don't need to be afraid of the questions. But I do think we need to make sure that we are dealing with questions and doubts in the right way. One thing that I want to point out is Thomas isn't dealing with these doubts on his own. This isn't Thomas, you know, wandering out through the world seeking the answers to his questions. He's not going to the great wise thinkers uh, with his, of the world, you know, the Greeks or the, the Romans or whoever, uh, or the philosophers with these questions. He's asking them within the context of the disciples. He's doing it in community. 
And when we have questions, when we have doubts, sometimes we isolate ourselves because sometimes we're afraid that if we express these questions out loud, that we're going to be rejected or that we're going to be pushed away. But if we're a community of the risen Jesus, if we're a community of followers of Jesus, then we need to have a stance that's open to let people to bring their questions and we bring them before Jesus together. Because that's the other thing. A lot of times we can set our doubts up as idols. And we can set this quest for truth up as an idol. Humanity's really good at making idols, things that we worship, things that we put all of our, our hope and trust and, and uh, desire in. But when we put our doubts as an idol and not make our doubts something that is going to draw us closer to Jesus through having our questions answered, or through asking these questions in a community of Christ followers, then we're not worshiping Jesus anymore. We're worshiping these questions. And so that's another reason that it's important that we bring our doubts together in the context of community, that we ask these questions together, but that we also are seeking Jesus. Thomas's questions all hinge on Jesus. And guess who shows up for Thomas? Jesus. And if you note, Jesus shows up eight days later, again, on the first day of the week. It's a repeat performance of Easter Sunday. He shows up in the room. All of the disciples are in this room uh, presumably the same room that they were in a week ago. They're together. Thomas is there this time. The door's locked and Jesus shows up. And what does he say again? Peace be with you. He utters those words of new creation, peace. Jesus brings peace to our doubt. That's the first thing he brings to Thomas is peace. When we bring Jesus our doubts, when our doubts are allowed to be encountered by the resurrected Jesus, Jesus is going to show up for our doubts. And what does he do is Jesus shows himself to Thomas. Now, it's interesting that we call Thomas doubting Thomas, but we don't call any of the other disciples the doubting disciples because really all Thomas is asking for is to see the same things that the disciples had seen a week before. Jesus showed the disciples his hands. Jesus showed his disciples his side. It's all right there in the text. But yet Thomas asks for it explicitly because for whatever reason, he wasn't around. So now Jesus comes in and he shows Thomas. And if you note, Thomas says that he wants to put his hands in the, the nail wounds and he wants to put his, his fingers in the nail wounds and he wants to put his hands in Jesus' side. And Jesus offers. Jesus says, here I am. I'm the answer 
to the questions that you've been asking. And so go on, touch me. But John never says in his gospel that Thomas touches Jesus because Jesus showing up for Thomas is enough. Jesus just showing up and saying, here I am, look at me, see me. You can touch me if you want to. We all have questions, I think. If you're, if you're the type of person who doesn't have these questions, okay, that's fine. Um, you know, but maybe someday you will. So follow along if you, if you don't mind. But consider that when we bring our questions to Jesus, that fear of, of overthrowing a power structure, it's not there anymore. Because Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is about to ascend to the right hand of Father, the, the seat of power. Jesus is, a, is, is ruling over heaven and earth. He is Lord of all creation. There is nothing that can defeat Jesus. He is undefeated because his death was his victory and his resurrection was his, his vindication. And so when we bring our questions to Jesus, we don't have to worry about overthrowing something that's unstable because Jesus is, is bigger than our questions. God's shoulders are big enough to ha handle our questions and our doubts and, and the things that we're uncertain of. And if you don't believe me, read the book of Psalms. Because David, who is described earlier in the Old Testament as a man after God's own heart, throws the kitchen sink at God as far as human emotions. There's some angry, ugly stuff in there. There is some deep, deep doubt in the book of Psalms. There is some sorrow that just shatters your heart. But God handles it. Because God is the only person who is able to take all of this, the, the brunt of human emotions, and bear it. Because God knows what it is to be human because of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Thomas's doubts brought to the resurrected Jesus leads to fresh faith. Thomas is the first person in John's gospel to acknowledge Jesus as God. No one else calls Jesus God until that moment when Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Thomas is the first person to proclaim who Jesus is. And in that moment, Thomas's doubt turns to fresh faith. Because nobody had, had said that Jesus was God yet. And now here's Thomas with this fresh burst of faith that not even the disciples did a week ago. The disciples, they, they were overjoyed to see Jesus but there's no proclamation of faith in verses 19 through 23. But here's Thomas believing and saying something new. And that's something else to consider about our, our doubts. Maybe our doubts brought to Jesus 
are meant to shake up our faith. Maybe we have built up a, a system of belief that has been built on what makes us comfortable, on what helps us navigate life, um, that may not still be rooted in Jesus. Or maybe we, we haven't really, you know, updated our faith in a while. Maybe we haven't examined what it is that we believe about Jesus. And so we go back to the gospels. We go back to Jesus and we see who Jesus is. And we read the letters. We read Paul. We read Hebrews. We read John. We read Peter, James, Jude. And we find out how we live this life out together. We go back and we bring our doubts to the resurrected Jesus and we trade our doubts for fresh faith. Because if my faith isn't built on, a G on resurrected Jesus, Jesus who is Lord of the universe, Jesus who chose to die rather than kill his enemies, if I have something that is built on any truth other than Jesus Christ, I don't want it. I need it to fall. If I have put something else upon the pedestal of my life, I need it to be torn down. And I want fresh faith that comes from looking in the eyes of Jesus who says, peace be with you, engage with me, follow me walk with me and go continue my mission because our doubts can bring us to this point, but not if we're not afraid to engage with them. Jesus says to Thomas's statement that blessed are you for having seen and believed, but more blessed are those who will not see yet believe. And this is Jesus's message to us. He knows it's going to be hard for us. He knows it's going to be different for the people who will follow because of the disciples' message. Because it's not likely that lots of people who knew Jesus were in these, these churches that Paul was writing to. There were some but not lots. And so there were going to be people who were going to find out about Jesus secondhand. They were going to follow Jesus because the disciples said, we've seen the Lord. Jesus, the Messiah, has risen from the dead and has ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And that the world is different because of this. But we've never physically walked with Jesus, have we? And that makes our faith faith. That makes it a, a, a bit more tricky to navigate than when Jesus was physically walking this earth. But Jesus knows what he has equipped his disciples and what he equips us with. And that is his living presence inside of us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. John's chapter 20 closes with a note about all of the other things that Jesus did and all of the other miraculous signs. 
And when he's talking about this, he's talking about all of the other times that Jesus, that resurrected Jesus appeared to his disciples. But he says, this is enough. This is enough for you to believe because it would be difficult to write them all down. But why did he write them down? Why did John write all of this out? And why is this little passage right after the part about Thomas? Is because it reminds us that our beliefs, our doubts being brought to Jesus and our doubts being stared down in the face of resurrected Jesus, in the community of God's people, it's meant to bring life. It's not meant to terrify us. It's not meant to scare us. All of this is written down so that we may have life. Because that's what this is all about. Jesus wants us to have new life in him. Our community, our church needs to be organized around the resurrected Jesus. Our doubts need to be brought to the resurrected Jesus. Our beliefs need to be brought to the resurrected Jesus, not because of all of the miracles and signs and wonders that he performed, not just because of that, but because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, that God raised Jesus from the dead, and this gives us life. If you have doubts, bring them to Jesus. Don't be afraid of them. Bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus in community with, a fo with followers of Jesus. Even if it's just one or two people that are, are, are mature followers of Jesus you trust. Be open and willing to talk about these, but focus them on the resurrected Jesus because this is the way to life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In green pastures he makes me lie down He restores my soul And leads me on for his name For his great name Surely goodness Surely mercy Right beside me all my days and i will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name you prepare a table right before me in the presence of my enemies though the arrow flies and the terror of night is at my door i'll trust you lord 
Surely goodness, surely mercy, right beside me all my days. And I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are on my side. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are on my side. Surely goodness Surely mercy right beside me all my days and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name and I will dwell in your house forever and bless your holy name Hear the word of the Lord. The eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. 
he will not rebuke you for asking. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give his spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We thank you for joining us this morning. We thank you for worshiping the resurrected Jesus with us in the power of the Holy Spirit together, wherever you are. Again, if you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 25th of April, 2021, and would like to join us for our Zoom coffee hour, where we will be talking about our regathering on June the 6th, uh, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net, and we'll be happy to send you the link to that Zoom. Uh, you can go to our uh, Facebook page or look at any of our social media or the notes to this podcast uh, and find the link to submit a question that we'll be happy to answer. And if you have any other needs, please reach out to us. Uh, our website is onebaptistchurch.org. Again, that's the numeral one, baptistchurch.org. And there's even a form there that you can fill out and click submit, and it will send an email to us, uh, and we can get back to you and love and serve you in Jesus's name. Uh, if there's a doubt that you have that you need to deal with with another person, please get in touch with us. Because I like to think that, that our community, our church, is, is a group of people who can, can bear these things together and who can bring questions, even the toughest of questions, to the risen Jesus as the body of Christ. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our piano prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist Readers for our creative scripture readings. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, uh, for making everything sound good. And remember, remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. <laughs>